welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guests today are Caleb Squires and Guy Coleman. Caleb is a postdoctoral research associate in weed biology with the University of Sydney. He is part of the weeds research team based at the IA Watson Research Center in Narrabri, New South Wales. He is originally from Spokane, Washington and came to Australia in March after finishing his PhD degree in crop science at WSU. Hello, Caleb. Hi, Drew. And Guy Coleman is a precision weed control scientist working at the University of Sydney in Narrabri as part of the weeds research team. Originally from Western Australia, he completed a Bachelor of Science at the University of Western Australia in 2014 and his honors degree at the University of Sydney in 2016, investigating the use of Unmanned Aerial Vehicles, or UAVs, in plant breeding to expedite phenotyping. Hello, Guy. Hi, Drew. I would like to ask both of you to tell me a little bit about the research you are involved in here in Narrabri. Let's start with you, Guy. Thanks, Drew. So as you mentioned, we're both part of the weeds research team here in Narrabri, and which is part of a larger project, the Northern Weeds Project. And so my part of this larger project is the engineering control section. So I'm looking at how do we use alternative methods of weed control uh, on a physical manner uh, for weed management. So we're looking at how, aside from the chemical side of things, we can incorporate targeted tillage or lasers or electrical weeding that on a broad acre basis might be quite impractical or is very impractical, how they can be used on a very site-specific basis. And this includes uh, identification and weeds uh, as one of the major aspects of that research. Okay, so a lot of fun new technology or what may become new technology yeah, in the future. That's right. Neat. And what about you, Caleb? So my area that I'm focusing on is weed biology. And so I'm looking at, we have a list of uh, 12 different weeds that are problematic in this area. And I'm, I'm studying their characteristics, trying to uh, get to know their growth habits, reproduction, uh, dormancy, germination. Um, basically, anything um, that we can identify as a, as a weakness that can be exploited um, for, for purposes of weed control. Okay, so um, I imagine the weeds here are a little bit different than they are back in the Pacific Northwest. What are some other differences you've noticed between how things are done here in New South Wales versus the way they were done in the Palouse? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, first, there are some really fun language differences uh, before we get into the cropping. Um, so, for example, pickup trucks are called utes, uh, fields are paddocks, and combines are headers. Australians don't plant crops, they sow them. Uh, those are just some of the ag terms, uh, but there's a lot more, and, and it also goes the other way, too. If I try to talk about garbs, I get a whole bunch of uh, blank stares because nobody knows what I'm talking about. As far as the cropping systems, uh, here they plant spring wheat, uh, but it's actually grown during the winter, so in the Palouse, it would be called spring, spring wheat. Uh, so they plant in May, but it grows during the Australian winter since we're in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and the winter actually isn't super cold. It, it gets down to freezing uh, at night, uh, but 60s during the day, so that's in Fahrenheit. Um, and so one of the uh, challenges I guess they have is, is 
uh, they're worried about uh, freezing during anthesis. But then after that, that cold uh, midwinter, then it tends to get hot really fast. So they're also uh, worried about heat stress uh, as, the, as, as the wheat matures. Uh, the crops grown here are uh, primarily uh, wheat, uh, chickpea, and faba bean during the winter. And then there's a little bit of summer cropping as well. So they get uh, two crops in per year if there's enough uh, water. And they primarily do irrigation during the summer. So that would be uh, things like cotton. Okay. And... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the, it's considered spring wheat here because it doesn't need to be vernalized, but it does grow over, as you said, over the winter. It's just that there's often not enough temperature to really get the plant vernalized. Is that yes, the issue? Yes, that, that's correct. Okay. So that's some of the differences between uh, New South Wales and the Palouse. What about differences between New South Wales, uh, the northern crop region here, and other parts of the, the country? Um what have you noticed uh, coming from Western Australia as being different there versus here? Well, it's a yeah, massive differences around Australia as well. So coming from WA, uh, it's very much, well, we're called sand gropers because there's just uh, sand everywhere in WA and anyone from the, the eastern states, so that includes Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, that comes to Western Australia often just is uh, blown away by how sandy the conditions are. And, and if you're lucky, you've got a a sandy loam and not so lucky you got some sandy or loamy sands. So the biggest difference I noticed when I first came here was the, the black verticels and the self-mulching self verticels. Uh, they're the remnants of a, an old volcanic sort of uh, region in the area. Uh, and what happens is uh, these soils, when they get wet, they get very, very sticky. And so just the practicalities of managing crops in these uh, very sticky soil conditions uh, completely changes the, the management sort of techniques and it's something you need to consider if you're trying to develop autonomous vehicles or alternative methods of weed control. So if it does get wet and you're trying to, to drive this robot through the field, it's often either impossible or um, can result in severely bogged tractors, cars, and, and small robots. So that's one major difference. Uh, the other one was the, the temperate climate. So in Western Australia, it's uh, sandy, but also very strongly Mediterranean climate. And uh, Caleb was touching on the, the issues of frost there that in winter time it gets quite cold and so then uh, you do get some issues with frost uh, and but summer is very hot whereas in uh, not much rainfall whereas here in Narrabri uh, it's quite uh, the rainfall is quite consistent when it's not in a drought across the year and so that can uh, just change the way they can use summer crops as a rotation instead of just purely winter crops and yeah, just just what, what, a couple of the, the big differences there in terms of the soil and climate that I've seen so far. Okay, so the Western Australia, the WA would be more similar to the Pacific Northwest because of the uh, Mediterranean type climate. So in the right. PNW, most of the moisture comes in the winter. The summers are very dry and warm. Same thing there. Yep. Whereas here on the eastern side of the country, it's a little more balanced between summer and winter precip. I think so. That's right. Um, this year has been a very strong drought. So our winter, we got about uh, only a few mils of rainfall. But um, yeah, usually it's pretty balanced. Okay. Well, one of the things that brought me uh, here to Narrabri, um is the problems Australians seem to have with herbicide resistance. And um, seems to be a lot of that around here. Caleb, can you talk a little bit about why that's such a problem in Australia? Yes, sure. The, um, the interesting thing about that, I think, is that there's a lot of history uh, that, that goes into explaining that. Uh, so prior to the 1980s, I believe, there was a lot of uh, sheep production. And so they planted a lot of annual ryegrass uh, for fodder for the sheep. 
Uh, and then when sheep prices crashed and they tried to take all that pasture out and grow wheat crops instead. And so since uh, ryegrass is, you know, an outcrossing species, there's lots of diversity. It just is just set them up for, for problems. Um, and another thing that, that I noticed when I got here, uh, just as I was driving around and seeing sprayers out in action, I couldn't believe how fast they were driving. Uh, so typically here, a traditional spray job seem, um, is done at 13 miles an hour, and they have a carrier volume of about five gallons per acre, which is, you know, not what we recommend uh, in, in the U.S. Not for good coverage, is it? Yeah, and I think that also uh, um, can, you know, definitely causes problems if you get suboptimal uh, dosage on, on, on the weeds. So the, the, uh, the annual ryegrass, or I believe some people call it rigid ryegrass, um, is very closely related to Italian ryegrass, which um, is a major problem in the Pacific Northwest. And that's really one of the things that attracted me to come here is to see what I could learn to help uh, deal with, with that weed. Guy, do you have any insights on herbicide resistance and some of the things that uh, are being done here, perhaps, that we um, might learn about and carry back to the U.S. with us? Yeah, I think in Western Australia particularly, there's a, been a strong focus on harvest weed seed control. So Michael's, Michael Walsh, uh, our supervisor, has been very a big proponent of, of harvest weed seed control. Uh, and having spent much of his time in Western Australia, I think has driven a large sort of shift towards that practice. Uh, I mean, uh, not having a large amount of experience in the US, uh, I'm not 100% sure what happens uh, over your way, but uh, by the sounds of it, uh, harvest weed seed control isn't a big, uh, a, a big or type of control method used. Um, and so the Harrington Cedar structure is really opening up opportunities to, to manage weeds uh, around harvests, although it has issues in terms of requiring the, the weeds themselves to maintain seeds right until until harvest period. So I think that's probably one thing that could be um, exported a bit from Australia, but we are very good at developing herbicide-resistant weeds, and so uh, hopefully don't export any of those. Yeah, maybe we can learn how to do it from you because you're going to have to figure it out because of all your issues with, with herbicide-resistant yeah. weeds here. Okay, um, one of the things you mentioned earlier, uh, Guy, was uh, the use of robots. You've mentioned robots getting stuck in the sticky mud. Uh, what do you see as the role of robots and weed control in the future? Yeah, I think that's a, it's an interesting one because – um, some people might see them as a potential challenge directly to, to herbicides, but I think the way we're working with them here in Narrabri is they can complement the role of, of herbicides in a crop uh, or in a cropping situation. So I, I sort of turn them the group T or group technology because they just offer uh, where herbicides fail uh, in late season weeds where they're quite large and often ineffective. Uh, technology really has a has strengths because the, the weeds are larger, they, they've got more time to control them. And uh, often the robot can go around and target these larger weeds much more easily than, say, the, the younger, smaller weeds. And so that means you have more time, you have uh, larger leeways in terms of your precision and accuracy. And it means that these technology or group T options uh, are much better uh, suited for these larger weeds in, in broad ecosystems. And so I think if we use the, the, the chemistry uh, to control those early earlier weeds and, and use the, the forte of uh, chemical control in, in sort of early post-emergent uh, weeds then complement that with the late post-emergent uh, robotic usage. I think that could be a really good fit there. Okay, I can see where maybe chemistry, tillage early and then chemistry maybe and then robotics and then harvest weed seed control. You can put together a full package because they all kind of have 
their strengths and weaknesses. And what we tend to do is just throw one thing at them until it doesn't work anymore. And if we can throw multiple things at them, maybe we can uh, maintain our ability to control these weeds much longer than we can when we just use one technique. I, th- I think that's right. Uh, it's all about integrated weed management. So you use some cultural control methods, which we're also looking at with the weeds research team here with Assad and competition. And then you can uh, all your crop rotations as well and then combine that with the chemistry, the, the tillage, and the, as well as the robotics and your harvest weed seed control. You should hopefully have a pretty good handle on it. You can't give these weeds any quarter or they'll take advantage of it. Caleb, what Australian technologies do you think are easily transferable to uh, eastern Washington? So Guy talked a little bit about harvest weed seed control. Uh, I think that there's some, definitely some potential there. There's, there's one... Uh, thing in, that we'd have to figure out in the Palouse to get that to work. Um, so in Australia, probably 90% of the, the farms use controlled traffic, uh, which means that they have their planters and their combines and their sprayers all set up on the same wheelbase to cover you know the same um, like effective width. Uh, and so that, that allows them to do uh, things in harvest weed seed control where they can direct the, the chaff maybe into the tram lines or something. Um, and so, obviously, there's some challenges with that in the U.S. Uh, in, the, in the Palouse because of, you know, the, the rolling topography. Right. Um, but if they could figure out how to do that, then I think that would open up some additional options um, as far as harvest weed seed control. All right. Well, I appreciate getting the perspectives from uh, both a eastern Washington person who spent some time here, Caleb, and Guy, your perspective uh, moving into the area of robotics and... Um, some of the harvest weed control, weed seed control issues here. Um, Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review while you're there. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also reach out on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.